0: Traveling the world, searching for equestrians of all breeds. The journey starts now on the International Equine Network. Welcome, equestrians of all breeds, all nations, all disciplines. Uh, This is Scott Miller, founder of the International Equine Network, and on today's program, we got a lot, a lot of news and information that we're going to start talking about. Um, it's really not organized in any way, shape, or form. I'm just going to start going through the, the reports that we did and uh, just kind of see where it goes from there. But just wanted to let you know that um, in the equi- equine industry here uh, in the States, and particularly Florida, uh, everything's going smooth. Uh, everybody is found out, um, that the protocols we have for COVID is working. Uh, the shows are back up. The polo matches are back up. Um, the horse racing is going good. Uh, we've got the Holy bull stakes, uh, and the swale stakes coming from, uh, live from Gulfstream this Saturday. Um, it's, uh, on the road to the Kentucky Derby, how they get there 2021. Um, and, and it's kind of exciting, uh, you're seeing all the old trainers that have normally been on the Derby Trail. Um, our race date schedules are back to normal like they were two years ago. And so we're just getting really excited about it. And we're going to kind of start out with a, a thing uh, that everybody in the thoroughbred business is trying to win. Um, is called the Eclipse Awards. Uh, they go, they go uh, every year and and uh, pick out who's the best jockey, trainer, owner, breeder, groom, so forth and so on. Um, and, it, and it's really exciting. In fact, uh, today, um, if you go on our website, IEMTV.org, you'll be able to see the uh, uh, Eclipse Awards uh, for 2020 uh, that we've had here. Um, you know, it, it's it's funny how awards go. Um Sometimes you think that, um, you know, it's going to be one trainer, one owner, one breeder, one horse, uh, one jockey. And this year, in this past year, it's been amazing to see the people that have stepped up and stepped forward uh, in our industry. And and what makes it so unique this year is the fact that we had the pandemic and uh, we had the COVID uh, we had a lot of things uh, that were added to the uh, the, ho- the horse game that uh, we had no control over, but we had to get around. And everything, but business, still carried on as usual. You know, it was just in a in a different way, a different uh, timeline. And so um, I, I was sitting there thinking today uh, about you know the horse the horses that were running this year. We had so many good horses so many horses that, um, you know, came up and jumped up out on you and, and, uh, you know, you really didn't know where to go with them. And and so this year, NTRA picked Authentics Derby win as the moment of the year. And it was exciting. Uh, When we sat down and looked at it, um, based on the results, we had 3,403 votes via Twitter and online polls, Um, you know, and and that's how how that happened. Um, It it was exciting, you know, to see that. Um, You know, (laughs) when you look at all the different races that that we've had and and things that went on, uh, we were just, you know, really surprised. Um, The the winning moment occurred on September 5th at 7.05 p.m. Eastern Time. On, on that day, on a day that saw the run for the Roses contested without fans at Churchill Downs due to the COVID-19, uh, under Hall, Hall of Fame trainer Jockey Velasco authentic defeated heavily favored Tiz Law in the Kentucky Derby to give him the Spencer, uh, its first, uh, win in, uh, in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, it was exciting, um, because my horse, uh, MyRacehorse.com was part of the syndicate that owned that horse, and this. Is, and I want you to listen closely. Um, there was over five thousand owners in Authentic. Um, they had registered and bought shares in uh, Authentic through MyRacehorse.com, and uh, some of the shares, uh, a percentage of a share. Or go for thirty dollars uh, and up uh, um, and so it, it was one of those things that we've talked about before about uh, syndications and you know outright ownerships, that type of thing. Um, but this, this, this goes to show you that, that um, you, you can actually uh, win a race, uh, including the Kentucky Derby uh, through syndicates and, and big syndicates. but um, authentic it was the real deal. Um, Tis the Law was a fantastic horse, and when we started talking about the Derby and the Triple Crown last year during the, the COVID, we talked about how it got the trainers and the owners and the horses out of sync. Um, they're not—they—they they weren't on that normal Kentucky Derby um, uh, trail that, that you normally would be on, and and I think what happened is a lot of the trainers. And owners were kind of, um, uh, you know, wondering how do they keep their horses, you know, in that type of shape, um, you know, to win. Uh, First of all, it's in the fall. Uh, This year, last year, was in the fall. Uh, Your horses are mature, they're uh, uh, older, uh, they're solid horses, and they're the real deal. Now, back in the spring, like we normally would have and like we're going to have this year, you get a lot of these horses that, um, uh, that'll that be running in the derby that were late foals that might have been foal in April or May, and you get a lot of horses that uh, might be an early foal like January or February, and that makes a difference when um, you have a foal that's got kind of a three-month jump um, on all the other you know kids on the block, as they, as they would say, um, and that makes a big difference, but... Getting back to last year and Authentics, went over uh, the Law. What happened is they had to change, and they had to the, – the weather was different. Um, everything was the same track-wise, uh, but timing was off. And you had to run three grade one races uh, all in a row in just a few short months, uh, you know, a few months' time. And um, I think that made a big difference into them. Uh, and then the other factor was the fact that, um, the Breeders Cup, uh, in a period of, of September, October and November, you're looking at running the Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, the Belmont and the Breeders Cup. And so that had to weigh heavy on a lot of the trainers minds and the orange minds about, you know, what they do with their horse. And so that's one, one thing I like about, um, uh, our, our thoroughbred industry is we kind of evaluate a lot of things, um, you know, that, that would uh, go on to be uh, history-making. And Authentic Derby, one, was a history-maker. Um, Tis the law coming into the Derby uh, ha- had one of the best resumes that you ever could see on a horse, uh, you know, coming in, into the Derby. And it, it was almost that they thought it was just an automatic win for him. You know, but, uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, that's, that didn't happen, uh, you know, this year. And uh, Tisval jumped up there and, uh, and, and grabbed a hold of the win, you know, uh, in the Kentucky Derby. And so that, that was the moment of the year, you know, for, uh, for the Thoroughbreds. Um, now, and back to, <laughs> I got off track again, back to the Eclipse Award. Um, it's going to be a virtual reality. Uh, type thing this year and it's going to be interesting um, you know to see how it works I, I think it, it's going to work really good um, basically uh, when you're talking about the eclipse awards every year um, you're talking ba- uh, you know the people that attend it are usually just the people that are involved with the nominate being nominated for an eclipse award um, you know so the, the uh, crowd is small uh, you know, it's kind of a close-knit type thing. But what I like about it this year is that, uh, the fact that any and everybody will be able to attend it. Um, I know some people that are actually going to uh, dress up in their tucks and their nice uh, uh, ball gowns and, and uh, they're having their meal catered to their home, uh, you know, and they're going to make a real, you know, first-class show out of it. Uh, you know, and so that's the way they're going to participate in, you know, watching it this year. So, um, that that's what we were uh, thinking, um, to do here. <laughs> I'm not one to wear a tux. but, um, so anyhow, you know, it, it's, uh, another way that we have learned to, uh, adjust to the pandemic and, uh, virtual reality has really proved to be a, game winner for the horse industry uh, the television revenues are up um, you know our distribution is getting bigger and better um, we're focusing more on actually uh, bringing uh, entertainment of the horse industry to the general public and um, that's um, that's one thing that I'm trying to do here at the International Equine Network uh, we have a variety of um, uh, programming uh, actually, we have the 10 different uh, uh, programs that, that we'll eventually have um, on on air. And I think that we're going to ha- hit hit home with something, uh, because what's happened uh, in the business is, um, like with the thermal Branch and the virtual reality for the Eclipse Awards, what's happened is everybody has realized the importance of the uh, radio and the Internet, and the television um, distribution of their product. So a lot of farms and a lot of um, associations have uh, ramped up their in-house production of what they're uh, trying to get done, uh, you know, about their uh, discipline or their their uh, breed or, or, you know, their actual their equine schedule for 2021. And what I like about it is is that it's kind of helped me out a lot because I've got a lot of people that have been calling me over the last couple of weeks about um, distribution. Uh, they just don't know quite how to go about distribution. Um, they can put it up on YouTube and, you know, the Internet and, and that type of thing, but um, it's just not hitting home for them. And so what we're creating here. Are ten different um, uh, segments that we'll do, and we will have announcers that will that, that will go into each one of the disciplines and talk about it, and uh, you know we'll, we'll um, give you a preview of what's to come, and then we flip over to whatever event that we're covering, and uh, we're going with their uh, with their video, uh, their announcers. Uh, you know, uh, how they want to get it across. And, and the reason I do that is, is because it, it, it backs off of any people coming in and saying, oh, well, you know, this shot didn't go good. You know, we didn't do this. We didn't do that. It's all on the event um, people to put on the presentation, and it's all on them. and the, And it's starting to work out good because I've got a lot of people that still need the distribution of it. And so what we're going to be is like a, a news report at the end of the day, and um, we'll come in and we'll talk a little bit about each event and who's putting it on, and, um, you know, then we'll go to their feed and, and we'll produce it like Fox Sports is doing uh, you know, with the, with the horse industry and all. Uh, so, but uh, the, I think, you know what? I think the Eclipse Awards should get an Eclipse Award for doing what they're doing, you know, because it's really brought uh, our industry, uh, you know, forward. And I'll be honest with you, more people will be able to see the Eclipse Awards now that it's a virtual reality than if we didn't have, if we didn't have the COVID, uh, because it would be just a limited amount of people, uh, you know, type thing. But now it's almost like forcing the hand you know, uh, of the, uh, of the industry to bring a product to, uh to light, And so that, that's what we're excited about on that one. Uh, so that's the Eclipse Awards go to org uh, to, this evening and you'll be able to watch that. Um, so, um, you know, we're really rolling, we're really rolling in the industry and it's going to be hard to keep up with, um, one of the next things that we're going to talk about is the Saudi Cup. Uh, the Saudi Cup was kind of in doubt for a while. We didn't know uh, you know, what was going to happen with the Saudi Cup. And um, There's less than three weeks to go um, before we get to the Saudi Cup. Uh, organizers report all systems are go for the second edition of the World's Richest Race, the $20 million Saudi Cup. With Go Next... Among those uh, that are expected to uh, go through, uh, go uh, from America, uh, they're, they're excited about that. Um, I tell you what, uh, that gold next is some kind of a horse. Um, I tell you what, he, he, might, he might be the Derby winner this year uh, because the way he ran his last time out, there's nothing going to touch him. Uh, he, he, he went so easy and, and I was sitting there just watching him thinking that it might be a track record, uh, when he, when he, uh, come out of the gate. Uh, but he, he was just so, so, um, I don't even know how to, how to explain how he runs. Uh, he runs with authority. Um, he runs with ease. Um, he is just some type of horse that you can't even imagine. Uh, you know, to have a horse like that or see a horse like that, and um, but I, I was really impressed with how he ran, uh, and I think that the travel might be interesting for him to see um, how he handles the traveling uh, to go to to Saudi, uh, to the Saudi Cup, but I that, that'll prove what kind of horse he really is and everything. So that that's uh, that's going to be something interesting to see. It's a $20 million race. Uh, you, can't, you can't pass by that, an opportunity to do that. Um, I, I was surprised that uh, the, the purse money has stayed there uh, with the pandemic. Um, but all the purse monies are hanging good with all of our, uh, our racing here in the States, and, and now it's transcended over to Europe. Uh, the money is good. And, and a lot of Americans are really starting to take a look at it and you know see what they can do with it um, i know I know that if you go to dubai and if and if you travel that far a month after you get back from wherever you're at really uh really puts a tough tough uh schedule on your horse uh it, it's just really it's really tough to to get uh you know, so I'm thinking that um, Goldenix, if he goes there, he might put the Derby in jeopardy. Uh, a lot of people probably disagree with me on that <laughs> because I'm, I'm really uh, say what I mean, and I really think that uh, that that could happen to him. Um, I tell you what, uh, that that horse. In uh, the in the Pegasus World uh, Cup, uh, he was just unbelievable. Uh, that, that horse can run like there's no tomorrow, and um, he he beat a good a good field and, and and I think he he's going to be really something to to look at. Um, but you know, like I said, this time of year we don't know uh, how fast these horses are going to rebound. Um, we don't know. Uh, uh, you know, just what's going to happen with, uh, I look at it and this year is going to be a a year that, uh, trainers and horses will be tested, um, to see who they are, where, where they're at, you know, and where they're going. Um, it's tough because everything's not normal, uh, yet for the horses. They're still trying to catch up from training that, uh, they either didn't get, or you know, that they did get, and didn't fare very well for, from it uh, with, with the horses and, uh, this year. Uh, because you got to remember, it's been almost a year that we haven't been normal in the horse business. Uh, that that's one of the things that, that uh, really has me, uh, you know, perplexed. Is who who got back to normal? Um, I know there are some trainers. That um, are not uh, back in the normal swing of things because when the pandemic hit, uh, they altered their training schedule and they went well, we'll say let's say from Belmont to Florida early or they went from Kentucky to uh, Arkansas uh, you know late, uh, you know that type of thing, and also we're, we're trying to figure out who's getting back into the swing of things. Uh, the field, that we're looking at, uh, you know, the prep races for the Derby that we've been looking at uh, are really, uh, you know, they're not the big fields like we thought they would be. Um, You know, you're seeing a a nine-horse field is, you know, pretty good. And um, this Saturday uh, at Gulfstream Park, uh, we have the race 11, the Holy Bull Stakes, uh, post times at 4.50 Eastern time. And I'll tell you what, it's got a doggone good field here. You got nine horses that entered into the, into the uh, uh, Holy bull And um, I tell you, it's going to be interesting to see um, how, how this one comes out. Uh, you know, we're looking at, at, again, Todd Pletcher had a great day last weekend. Um, he had a first, second, and fourth in the $1 million uh, turf cup um, that they had at Gulfstream. And so his barn seems to be hot right now. Um, he's doing everything, uh, you know, that he has in the past, but only he's getting better results than he has in the past. And, and his results in the past have always been good. But um, he's got a nice three-year-old colt uh, this year uh, named Amount. He's a Kentucky-bred, uh, nice looking horse. Uh, this horse is training very well every day and hasn't missed a step yet. And the thing that I like about... Uh, amount is that he's a stable mate of another horse that Todd has in the race called Prime Factor. Uh, they're both carrying uh, 118 pounds, uh, in the race. And, and so that's a low weight, uh, you know, in, in there. Um, but you know, again, you know, we're back to, uh, you know, a nine horse field, which is really good. We got some of the best trainers, uh, you know, in the country that'll be there um we see uh, Shug McGee, he's got a nice horse uh greatest honor um carrying 118 pounds. um it, it's going to be interesting that that's the the holy Bull on Saturday at Gulfstream and it's a derby prep race uh that we're looking at um for that day and we'll see you know how they how they come out but um there's so many things that changed in the um how they get there? Uh, the 2021 Kentucky Derby. Um, right now, uh, Central Quality um, for Brad Cox is on top with the million two hundred eighty thousand in earnings. And then, uh, keep me in mind, um, uh, is in second flight with three hundred seventy nine thousand uh, rating. Now, we're not going by money; we're just going by by the points that they have going into the Kentucky Derby. And uh, an interesting fact here, Jackie's Warrior, for Steve Ashmussen, that uh, came out on top of a lot of good races early in the year. Uh, he, he's uh, earned four hundred fifty thousand, fifty-seven thousand dollars, and he's only got twelve Derby points, whereas the Central Quality has thirty. Um, you know, so and Jackie's Warrior was another one that came out of out of the gate on top. And everybody really liked and thought you know it was just really going to, you know knock him dead, but he kind of tailed off and um so we, we started going down through another uh worse it was a, a really a top contender it still is it was uh bob Baffert's life is good um he 's got ten points um, so you know it just goes to show you that you know you can you can be on top of the world one day and then next week you know it's somebody uh else that um you know, is not not uh, um, doing very well. Uh, my favorite horse in the whole out of the whole Derby uh, crew is Hot Rod Charlie. Uh, Doug O'Neill. Uh, he's got eight points of three hundred forty thousand dollars in earnings. But that horse would come running uh, in his last race at the end. And you know, he he's a tough horse, but he was he was slight. What they call slight, he was small. Uh, I don't know how much weight took off on him after the last race, but you know I'm looking for him to you know put weight back on, and I think the bigger the the better he gets uh is because he's getting bigger, he, he's getting weight on him, he's getting that that man weight as my grandfather used to say, and um so I, I that's my my pick right now is Hot Rod Charlie, but as we go down through the um, through the list here of the top 40 horses, uh, you know, you're looking at, um, there was a horse called 10 for 10 for Suge um, he, McGahee. He come out of the box running good, but haven't seen much and heard much from him, you know, in the last uh, uh, month or two. Uh, so that that's one of the things that, uh, you know, uh, I look for, is how much chatter there is about him when they first start running and how fast it dies off and if it dies off does it ever come back you know being mentioned in any of uh, the races or the articles um, that that we have here Uh, so uh, I tell you there's um, uh, the California horses are are looking good Uh, uh, Red Flag and Parnelli by John Sharice out in California Um, you know they're bringing they're coming along slow and they they look looking really good, and I really do like to um, have a horse in California um, in the spring, coming into the Derby because there's a lot of quality uh, races there um, that you that you're going to really test your horse. Um, I don't like to ship a horse a lot, uh, you know, prior to the Derby. And now some trainers, um, you know, they'll be based in Florida or California. And, and, uh, um, next thing you know, uh, they're running in, uh, hot springs at Oakland Park, uh, uh, like in the southwestern states or the Arkansas Derby. And then, um, you see them pop up again in Louisiana or Florida, you know, for, for their road to the Derby. And, you know, some of them really adjust to other horses, it just knocks them right out. And that's why I don't like to, uh, uh, jump on board. For these horses early, because uh, you know they're going to have to do a lot of travel, and so um, that's about it. You know, as far as the top horses are concerned, internationally, um, we don't have uh, very many horses that are that are really pointing or might come for the Derby. Um, that's unfortunate, and and it's not because um, their horse isn't good enough to run in the Derby it benefits them more to stay in their own country or into Europe where their money might be a little easier, uh, for them to to get, um, you know, that type of thing. And they don't have to travel as much. They don't have to worry about COVID. They don't have to worry about any of, any of that. And so, um, you know, that's what we're looking at on Saturday and that's called the Holy bull stakes at Gulfstream. Um, if you tune in, um, on, on, with us on Saturday, you'll be able to watch uh, the Swale Stakes and you'll be able to watch uh, uh, the Holy Bull Stakes uh, uh, on Saturday, which is going to be a great day, race day at Gulfstream. I mean, it, it's a great race day. Uh, when you look at it, uh, the whole card is a, it's a, uh, every race is, is, is a good race. It'll be entertaining, Um we'll see just exactly what happens, you know, with that. Um, but that, that's the holy bull. And, and the other race that I kind of like, and the reason I like it, is because, one, uh, the, horse, the race was created for a horse named Swale that Woody Stevens had. And uh, this horse was a good runner, and Claiborne Farm had him there. And um, uh, he had a short life. and uh, But if Swale was all heart. He'd give you 110%, and that never stopped, you know, running. Uh, he'd run as far and as fast as you wanted him to go. and, and uh, So they named the stakes race uh, after him. It's a $100,000 um, race for three-year-olds. And um, I, I think that if you got a pretty decent horse and you're going to try to run a Kentucky Derby, this is the race I like. And the reason I like it is because it's seven furlongs. And it's that climbing that ladder to get to the Kentucky Derby is what I like about it. It's not going to beat your horse up a lot. You're not going to drain him, take much out of him. Um, you know, you're going to see what he has. And it's against grade, you know, you're, you're looking at a, a grade three. And those grade threes that uh, we have now, um, you know, are good stepping stones. Uh, it's seven furlongs. It's um, not really a sprint. and It's not really a distance to ground. You know, but it's going to give you a, how, a good idea of how good your horse is and how well he finishes up and, you know, how he gallops up, uh, gallops out after the race is over. And, uh, you know, then you can sit down with uh, your jockey and like we're talking about how they get there and you can kind of evaluate and see how he did, you know, in the race. Um, was he a solid horse? Uh, did you have any horse left underneath you? Uh, You know, when you hit the wire, how did he handle the field, Uh, you know, that type of thing. And then after, you know, next Tuesday, uh, you can kind of evaluate, uh, you know, how he came out of the race and where where he should go from there, Um, you know. And if he knocks a lot of weight off of him and, you know, he's kind of lethargic and everything, then you got to really think about, uh, you know, staying on that derby trail or, or getting off of it. Yeah, I think the Swale stakes is a real good test for that. Um, it's a good race. Um, again, we and I do talk about a lot, a lot about Tom Pleasure because he's at our Palm Beach Downs uh, for him, and that's to me train. Um, he's got a real nice horse called Likable. Um, he's uh, a tough horse. He's a solid horse. He's growing. He's getting bigger and better every week. Um, you know, he's he's schooling and he's learning. Uh, you know, um, I think that's one of the best things in the world is to be able to, t- uh, to take a horse and and school him and train him and bring him along, um, you know, with what they're doing. And I think he, he's going to be tough um, in the swell states, but I, I think he needs a route of ground. I think he needs that mile and an eighth, that mile and a quarter. Um, I, I think a seven furlong um, race, Like he's going to be in on Saturday might be the proper tune-up for him for um, the Fountain of Youth that's coming up in Um, Gulfstream. I think that that would really be a nice one. Um, But I could also see um, this horse if he wins and comes out good of the race. I could also see him going to um, uh, to Tampa Bay um, for the uh, Tampa Bay Derby. you know, that, I think that there would be a good one. Todd preps some good for the Tampa Bay Derby. Um, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that one comes out. Uh, so, so the road to the Derby is going to be, it, it's still all up in the air. There's not any one particular horse or group of horses that's going to, uh, you know, get there. Um, I, I think it, it, with uh, the time you get to the Arkansas Derby and the Louisiana Derby, um, I think the field'll pretty much be set, uh who's gonna go uh, when and where. Uh, there. So it'll be interesting uh, to see how that how that comes up. Um we also um had a race that I uh witnessed at uh Lstream Park. It's the Pegasus uh World Cup turf invitational it's grade one for thoroughbreds and um it was a million dollar guarantee. And uh I, I was just I was totally amazed at um uh this field. Uh it was it was a stellar field. Um it was deep as deep could get uh that they had here. And again I go back to the Todd Pletcher thing and that it's not you know, some of it's because of that I'm uh, you know, there, he's at our Palm Beach Towns facility. But i I've known Todd for a long time, and he's a good guy uh, you know uh, he treats himself well, uh, he treats his uh, uh horses even better, I might say with a little chuckle there but um he he's good at what he does, but Todd has never been known to be a turf turf man, and he had a horse um, in last Saturday called colonel Liam uh this horse can uh, he can flat-out run, uh, and, and the reason uh, I liked him, uh, even though it was on the turf, is uh, he, he was uh, uh, a, a good-looking horse from the get-go. Uh, you know, that's what really surprised me. Um, you know, he was good. Uh, his, his sire is Liam's Map, um, which was a Breeders' Cup uh, winner uh, on the dirt, and uh, track track uh, set of track record just uh, you know phenomenal phenomenal horse and um, Liam's map is um, out of amazement by Bernardini and uh, he was a late foal and and so you know um, it just goes to show you that this horse might be on to something here uh, you know as far as turf goes and he's not really used to that um, Todd's not really uh, a turf trainer, but yet in this million-dollar race, Todd runs first, second, and uh, fourth, and it, just by a nose, he could have had for, he, he would have had a trifecta. But um, we'll, we'll look for uh, Todd's horses down the road um, that are coming up on the turf, and he's usually not a turf. You know, like I said, he's not a turf guy, and, and that's highly unusual. You know, to see uh, a horse like him do what he did on the turf, and then see what he does on the dirt. Um, You know, it's just uh, unbelievable how he he can run and um, and and recover quick, and and that's what I I liked about him uh, with him over there. But um, like I said, we're we're getting back into the into the Derby season. Uh, You know, we've got. Oh, good Lord. I tell you, right now, if you were to go down through and, and look at everything, you're looking just in the United States alone, you're looking at 34 horses that that are, you know, on the way. You know, and how do they get them there? Well, they get them there through uh, Florida, Arkansas, California, uh, Louisiana, uh, Kentucky. Um, so it's starting to... Just by this time every year, I've got it whittled down to maybe 15 or 16 horses. And then um, in another two weeks of uh, running, uh, I'll have it down to my 20, what I think will be the 20 horses in the Kentucky Derby. And all. So, but this year it's kind of difficult because we've seen so many horses come out, um, you know, out of the box and, and get into the gate and see what happens. Uh, you know, uh, I'm telling you, I, I, I just don't know what's going to happen. And what I'm excited about now is the Central Quality, which is, uh, Brad Cox's horse. You were saying? He's got a million two hundred eighty thousand. And it looks like that, um, uh, the, their next start will be, uh, uh for Central Quality towards, um, uh, a nice race at Oakland Park. Uh, it's on the road to the Kentucky Derby. Um, it's going to be tough at Oakland. I tell you what, this year at Oakland, it's going to be tough. You got so many horses that are that are right on on the uh, uh, verge and uh, jumping over to be a serious contender. And so that that's what I'm looking for in Central Quality. And he's at Hot Springs. So we'll see what happens. Um, then there's another one called, uh, uh, River. Um, he was a blowout winner, uh, in Smarty Jones, uh, last week. And I mean, this horse just, he, he, just lit them up. Uh, there's nobody gonna even get close to him, uh, you know, for that. And, and so when he started going down through the, the list of, of, of horses that we're looking at, Uh, he's way down the line. Uh, nobody's even thinking about him. And then all of a sudden in Smarty Jones, he jumps up and he just acts like it was nothing. There's just, he just ran like there was no tomorrow. And, uh, so I, I was, uh, um, always impressed with horses that could do that. They could come into a big race like that and, um, you know, just jump up there and, and see what happens. And that's exactly what he did. Um, you know, he went to the Smarty Jones a good horses in there. And I know that there's a lot of trainers that are in that you know, were in the Smarty Jones and said, well, gee whiz, you know, um, look how much he went by and and now what do I do? Uh, you know, is my horse that bad or is, uh, is his, their horse that good? And, um, so I, I'm kind of in a, Puzzlement, as they say, or confusion, or I uh, don't know what in the heck's going on with these horses as they're coming around, um, you know, to see. Uh, I tell you, I think right now in the horse business, in all breeds, in all disciplines, I think that the, the trainers and the owners are a bit confused. I think that they're trying to figure out what happens. You know, uh, let's go forward. Uh, we seem to be back on schedule and you know, granted, we're on a normal schedule where our, our calendar dates are the same as they were before, um, the pandemic hit and, and the, it feels good. You know, it feels good to know that you're back and it gives you some kind of normal lifestyle again. And, and everything but the, the problem is is what do you do and where do you go if you do good at oakland what's your next move do you stay at oakland uh, where you're having success or do you try to test the waters of gulf stream or, or uh, the fairgrounds or santa Nina, Um, you know to to um, get your horse well well-rounded uh, you know, getting uh, to the level that they could win a Kentucky Derby. And, um, you know, that that's one of the things that and I think is going to be an interesting challenge uh, for the trainers and the owners and the jockeys. Uh, because it's not like that you can just pick up and go like you did two years ago. Uh, you can't do that. And, you know, you got to be uh, pre-planned and, and you, you could get to, well, let's say, I'm not saying that, that this would happen. But let's just say, for example, you leave your home track where you're at now and you go to Hot Springs or you go to uh, the fairgrounds or Santa Anita and there's an outbreak of the COVID. You know, you literally could be, you know, stuck there. And so I think that 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 has a big um, uh, um, part of the decisions you make to, you know, try to get to the Derby. Um, you got to make sure that you've got enough derby points, you know, to get into the Kentucky Derby, and you got to keep getting them. But if you get stuck in a track where the COVID is or, you know, you can't travel like you normally would, um, that, that, that's tough. A lot of decisions, and that's why we're talking about um, how we get there, um, how important it is to uh, take everybody into consideration. You know, and um, it starts with the uh, uh, with the owner. And, and this is for any discipline. Um, when you're trying to get to the year end and be uh, horse of the year or, you know, when the big races or the big shows, uh, you know, that type of thing. And it starts with the owner. And uh, the owner has the COVID to worry about. He's got his employees to worry about, um, you know, and he's also got to remember the value of making the value of his uh, race horse. Uh, you know, go high. And um, if you get stuck at one spot, you might not have any races to run in. Uh, you know, you might not be able to obtain those derby points. And so that that's what's really important, you know, for uh, the owners and the trainers to think about, you know, here. Um, and I, I tell you, I, I was really impressed with the Smarty Jones, and, I, and I'm going to tell you why uh this horse <laughs> Cadoo river is some kind of a horse um this horse can run and brad cox has it and this horse is just good, lord of mighty, he let him up um when they're going they're going a mile on the dirt uh and i'm telling you this horse could just flat out get it um he, he came out of the gate, and there was no doubt about it. He was the winner from the get-go. He won the race by ten and a quarter lengths, and I mean it was easy for him. Uh, once he cleared the uh, inside entering the first turn, uh, he, they had him rated properly, and he was cruising solo up front. And then he just let her go. Uh, this horse uh, was, was phenomenal. He he was in there against a pretty strong, heavy field, um, and I, I was surprised that um, uh, you know he he just got onto that uh, that field and just let him know who who he was and where he was at. Now it's going to be interesting if Brad keeps him there in in hot springs um, for the rest of the spring, um, you know, all through the spring. That's going to be interesting to see. And so again when we're going back and we're talking about the top you know, top derby horses that um that'll be running this year, there's so many factors, you know, that the owner and the trainers uh have to, you know, figure into it. And, you know, especially uh with the um uh marketing of your horse as a potential stallion after his racing career did he win at short distance uh Did he win a seven furlong, a mile, mile and a eighth, mile and a half, mile and a quarter? You know, uh, they they think about all these things. But when you have a horse that wins, you know, uh, a nice horse uh, that comes in and and wins uh, a record, uh, a nice stakes race uh, like uh, the Smarty Jones, uh, now you where do you go with him? You know, do do you keep him at a mile? Take him up to a mile and an eighth. Uh, you know, how do you get him ready for the, for the Kentucky Derby? Because the training all changes after this. The training all changes after this. This was a fit young horse, you know, uh, that, uh, Brad Cox had and has there. And, um, you know, he, he's right on top of his game, but now anything that he runs past a mile. Going into the Derby, you're starting to run against, you know, uh, uh, it's like a, a, a teenager uh, competing against older older guys. Um, you know, now the races gets tougher, um, the fields get bigger, um, and it makes a big difference. And that's what I wait to see. But I do know that, that he did come out of the race very well. And so the owners and the connections were really pleased with it you know, to see him do that. Um, so, <laughs> you know, now what do you do? Where do you go? Uh, same with all the racing, all the racing. There's so much racing out there now and all the different tracks. Um, you know, if, if you just want to have uh, something to do, you know, get involved, um, you know, just uh, um, tune in. You've got to tune in to them. And, uh, they're, every Saturday from here on out are big, uh, are big races um and every saturday you'll find them on fox sports uh, network uh, you'll find them on t v g um we take a distribution feed from them here at i n so uh you know you'll be able to see that um you know so that that's the main thing we're trying to say it, it's so confusing here um this year uh but now it's getting back to normal and what is normal normal is today normalized today in the horse business uh so so i'm excited about that i'm excited about the derby coming up uh, i'm excited about the horse sales that we have coming up in fact today we had uh we had the horse sales live on imtv.org uh from france and uh you know if you, if you want something to uh, go look at uh, that that's that's something to do. go to our website and look at it. It's all in french i hope if you don't even if you don't understand French it's still pretty much the same uh, you know that they have there so I tell you I'm excited I'm excited uh derby time uh coming up uh we got all the sales um, we have uh the uh, potential uh for the Olympics to come to the uh from Japan to the United States. Um, they there's some doubt about having the Olympics this year because of the COVID. Um so now that's really changed things around a lot. And our governor here in Florida uh, you know, had had made mention to um uh, the Olympic committee and, and to the powers that be that um Florida would be a good place for, you know, the Olympics to be held, and the reason is is because one, um, we have the hotel space here in Florida, to accommodate, uh, you know, all the athletes and all the people that would be, uh, you know, coming to, um, coming to the states, and we also have the facilities. Uh, for example, uh, in the equestrian end aspect of it, um, we have Ocala, and we have uh, we have, uh, Palm Beach County. And we have a lot of, a lot of the Olympic horses, uh, that would be going to Japan are right here in, in, here in Palm Beach County. And we're, we're accommodating them now and they're being able to train and uh, do what they need to do to stay on schedule for the Olympics. And, um, that, that's a good thing, uh, you know, for it. And then we also have Ocala, uh, in Ocala, um, you know, uh, You could have the cross-country there because the facilities are already there in Ocala to where they could actually have, you know, the three-day eventing. Uh, They're already there. They've been established for a long time. And, um, you know, that that would fit right into it. Uh, We also have the World Equestrian Center um, in Ocala. And what I like about that is is that um, they have five covered arenas, uh, Olympic-sized arenas. And so, uh, even if we did have inclement weather um, for you know that period of time, July from the middle of July to the end of August, uh, you know it would continue on as normal because of the indoor facilities that they have at the uh, World Equestrian Center. And then here in also here in um, here in South Florida, in Palm Beach County, uh, you know we have everything that could possibly need for. Olympics right here. I have uh, some of the best dressage venues in the world here. I have an Olympic, uh, um, you know, dressage horses training here, you know, right now, and um, so that 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 says a lot in itself there for what we have, you know, here in South Florida. Um, so that that that's uh, something that I would like to see happen. Uh, we have the hotel rooms uh, that are here, and with the. The COVID uh, protocol that we have, Um, we've got a lot of empty hotel rooms. So we would be able to accommodate all the athletes and, you know, uh, everything that that would be involved with the television people, you know, that would be involved. And I know right now that, um, you know, from the television end of it, uh, what they're doing, um, man, they're beating their heads against the walls because they know that the Olympics is going to have to be a, you know, virtual, uh, you know, type, um, uh, program, uh, and it's going to have to be. And, and it, it's kind of tough, especially from the, the radio the television aspect of it is you have to have a lot of backstories uh, you got to have a lot, you got to have a lot more than just the event itself. Uh, and it's hard to get during a COVID because, um, you know, you, you got to get that one-on-one interviews. Uh, it, it's, Tough to build up a library because uh, the uh, uh, past year wasn't a normal normal year. Uh, you weren't doing your normal uh, show schedule. Uh, you know, you were not doing anything that was normal. So, in order to build a good virtual show for uh, the Olympics, um, it's going to be tough to find you know the good footage that you need. Uh, You know, because there were some of the shows that they did have during the pandemic, um, and some of them were canceled. You know, so you can't really go back and and cherry-pick like you would like to. And and it makes it difficult because you got to go through a lot of film and a lot of audio, you know, to put together a a very good show, you know, for it. Um, Once you get the live end of the Olympics, um, you know, will take care of itself. Uh, you know, because um, you're in a controlled environment, you know um, what venue you're going to be at, uh, and, and you have a time, you know, a, a live time schedule that you have to do. But it's the the lead up uh, to uh, build a library of all the horses that are there. You know that you can uh, go back and show what he had done, and um, you know, and how they got there and that, that's the tough part because that's not the normal part of what we've been doing, you know, here. Um, it's it, it, you know, still on the COVID, uh, the horse sales are really going good. Uh, I I actually think that um, the horse sales will survive and they will do better than uh, they ever did uh, once uh, they get into her next sales season. Um, and the reason I say that is, is, is with the COVID um, and, and no, no spectators and no bidders, you know, at, at the sales. Uh, each individual that owns the horses, they really have to rethink how they market their horse. And uh, that's going to involve a lot of video. It's going to involve um, a lot of uh, uh, YouTube, uh, Facebook, uh, um, even at the sale venues. Um, it's going to be something that you have to really work at. And and I think that everybody is coming along good. I think that everybody is is respecting the protocol. Uh, Reality has not really set in yet, I don't think, with most equestrians, because I know like where I'm at here in South Florida, we did not miss a beat. Every day... Every day was the same. We did we did what we've done for the last 30 years. Every day, you know. Of course, the mask came into play and and uh, the protocol six feet away, which was not you know it's not wasn't not hard for us here in the, in the horse industry because you know you're normally not that close together anyhow. And uh, so I think everything you know kind of. Uh, has gone on, but like like I said again, it's the adjustments that were made. Um, I know a lot of uh, starboard trainers, they kind of backed off on training because they didn't know if they were going to be able to race. And um, they didn't know if they were going to be able to, like, say, be training at Gulfstream and then, you know, go to Tampa and race or go up to New York and race or Kentucky. And so I think that that was one of the things that we had a hard time adjusting to also. Um, there, there's so much information, and that's why I struggle here uh, with what I'm doing. I, I knew over the last year, you know, since I started the International Equine Network, uh, what I wanted to do, the, the format and, and the foundation of what I'm trying to do. And my whole whole uh, uh, mission statement here is to bring equine information of all breeds, all countries, to the public via radio and television and so now that I've pretty much got the last in the last year um, what I think and how I think that it should be done I can literally cover every aspect of the horse industry with 10 different 30-minute programs uh, that we'll have lined up and um, like at the wire that we've been talking about in a documentary how they get there. Um, so those are the kind of things that, that we're trying to do here at the International Equine Network. And I hate to say it, but I think the COVID has pushed the horse industry uh, to the next level. It's got them back to where they realized how important radio and how important um, television is to the business. And so that's what I'm trying to do here. Um, I know I ramble on a lot everything and kind of here and there, but. Um, and it makes me feel confidence to have people like um, BBS there, Fox Sports, and all the different associations that I deal with, you know, in regards to equine information distribution. And that's what we're doing now. Uh, we're trying to get it out there and trying to get everything going. So, um, you know, I appreciate everybody, uh, you know, that's tuned in and probably appreciate it even more for the ones that didn't tune in because... Once I get over the, over the, the hump here and, uh, and we really get fired up and really get going, uh, that's when I want everybody to, uh, um, you know, come and, come and, uh, listen to us and watch us and everything. So, and you know, we're, it's like we're getting close to being done here for another week. Um, next week, uh, uh we're going to have a few uh, guests on the show, uh, that, kind of see where I'm going with the International Equine Network. And uh, we're going to talk to them and see how they feel and how they adapted to and adjusted to the COVID and everything. So I appreciate um, anybody that listens uh, to International Equine Network. If you got a horse story you want to tell, give us a call at five, 561-466-1272. Um, you know, just give us a holler or go to IENTV.org and everything. And remember, folks, tune in Saturday. We have the Swale Stakes and the Holy Bull Stakes um, on IENTV.org. Or you can go to Fox Foxport Network or you can go to Gulfstream Park Racetrack and uh, find out uh, what all's going on. But make a day out of it. Make it a family day. And that's what the horse business is all about is family and horses in a way of life. Talk to you folks next week on IENTV.org.